0: The name of my message today is looking at the Bible through rose-colored glasses, and I kind of want to explain that for a second, because typically people think looking at something through rose-colored glasses is a bad thing, and generally it is, you know, nostalgia, things like that, but what I wanted to talk about today was really the character of the people we know and read about in the Bible, um, typically they're... It's easy for us to put them on a pedestal and ignore their faults in, in light of what they did that was great. But in my opinion, what makes them great was the fact that they had the faults. And there are many people spoken of in the Bible, all of which have great lessons to be learned from them, both good and bad. Um, we tend to forget key aspects of these accounts. These men and women which we read about in Scripture are exactly that, men and women. And in modern, modern religion, a lot of times, no matter what religion it is, they tend to take the heroes, I guess you will, of the said religion and deify them. I mean, my wife and I live above a Catholic shop, and the owners are very, very sweet people, wonderful people, but they have this rack of cards, and they're saints, And they're almost like baseball cards. They've got this saint, and here's his stats. There's the miracles he did. This is what he is the saint of, or she is the saint of, and this martyr here, and this guy here. It's it's like a game anymore. Mainstream religion and the general nature of man has caused us to lose sight of these key details in these men and women. And they fall by the wayside as they just lift them up. They lift these people up. And there's nothing wrong with remembering the great things that somebody did. But what's wrong is when you, you lift them up because of the great things they did, but you don't remember how they got there. These men and women of Scripture are pillars of, most of them are pillars of our faith. A lot of times they stood tall when no one else would, or even if they didn't want to. Yahweh, no nudged them along in the right direction, and a lot of times they defined what it meant to be a man or woman of Yahweh, and I'm going to go through some examples of, uh, not a whole lot, but I've got uh, one, two, three, six examples that I'm going to go through of popular ones that uh, I kind of looked for different information, and these are the ones that really popped up. Um, First on our list is Abraham. Everybody knows Abraham the story that they tell is uh, he's the first to receive the promise from Yahweh and in a way everything we have is tied back to Abraham now these things I will say about these people are not falsities these are true things that are indeed you know a real like a it's reality but there's more to them than just one sided picture that they paint he struggled with unbelief Abraham struggled with unbelief um, with uh, his wife he lied about him uh, about Sarah, he struggled with unbelief that Yahweh would protect him with that, and honestly, Yahweh graciously intervened with uh, with him and Sarah to produce the the child abraham there 's nothing wrong with what he did with uh, who he was and things like that. He was indeed the father of uh, i guess you 'd call him the patriarchs you know he was the, one, the first one in line, really. People, like, for example, this mosaic you see of him. You know, we see he, he struggled with unbelief with his wife. He lied about her. But um, there were great things that he did as well. And what I'm trying to convey in this message is that um, these people, while they were great and they did do things, they were human beings created just like you and I. Let's read about what he did in uh, Genesis 20. Just real quick. With Sarah, and Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And so you can see here that he had an opportunity to tell the truth, but he didn't. And, uh, and he did it again in Genesis 12, uh, 11 through 13. He, he, he mentions it again. Not 12, excuse me. I have that written down wrong. 21. And um, let's see here. Next on our list we have uh, Moses. And I took my, the best picture I could find of old Moses. iStock had a surprisingly slim selection of pictures. The story that we're told, that is often told of Moses, and if anybody's seen the Ten Commandments, he's the bold, handsome leader of the Israelites, well-spoken and charming. And while I love that movie... That's not Moses. Scripture paints a very different picture of Moses. He was not an eloquent speaker. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, it says, And Moses said unto Yahweh, O Yahweh, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am of slow speech and a slow tongue. Now, obviously, that wouldn't translate well into a movie, but um, he also, he committed murder before he fled Egypt. He saw the, the the taskmaster, and he lost his temper, and he took it out on this taskmaster. And he also struggled with unbelief and impatience when he struck the stone, when he was told to speak to it. Granted, how any of us would react when we had this multitude of Israelites whining and complaining in our ear is anybody's guess. But the point is, is that Moses, even though he was of slow speech and a slow tongue, he still was the bold, whether he was handsome or not, I don't know. But you see, Charlton Heston, anyway, you don't... <laughs> he still led the Israelites through his faults. He committed murder. He... Um, was a slow speaker, he struggled with, he struck the rock, he wasn't allowed into the promised land, but Yahweh still used him. Yahweh still used him and, and did wonderful, wonderful things through this slow speaking, unbelieving, impatient man. I mean, that, is, that should be a humbling thing for you and I. Next, we have David. This is the only picture I, I could find of David that was appropriate. Um, the great king, the warrior, the musician calmer of evil spirits, leader, slayer of lions, bears, and giants. And David was a great man. He is, and according to scripture, he's not done. Yahweh's going to utilize him again in the kingdom, or in the millennium anyway. All these things above are true. However, his family was in shambles. David was a, he was a great man, but he had great faults as well he sent an innocent man to battle to die because of uh, his adultery that he committed with this woman he got her pregnant alarm bells went off and said oh no i got to get this i got to send her husband off to die otherwise he's going to find out what's going on i mean he tried everything he was really underhanded with this whole situation with bathsheba and it was just it was a stain on an otherwise really really great man's life and if you turn to uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 23, there's a lot of great things written about David. He was the, uh, when I say calmer of spirits, it is an interesting, I've always found this very, very interesting. He was a musician and a calmer of evil spirits. And uh, 1 Samuel 16, Verse 23 And it came to pass when the evil spirit from Elohim was upon Saul, David took his harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. And just on a side note, I think this really emphasizes the importance of music to Yahweh from us. If it can derive an evil spirit, are calm, at least depart an evil spirit from Saul, imagine what it can do for us if we all do it together. I think that's a very important thing to, to realize. And let's see, next on the list that he has is uh, that he committed adultery. Again, in 2 Samuel, one book over. We'll start at 2 Samuel chapter 11. And uh, both the next examples are in this. Um, 2 Samuel 11, verse 14, And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter, saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. Now, this is one of the hardest things for me to read about, about, not Samson, David. Because, I mean, this is a... Dirty, dirty thing he did. He sent a, one of his best men, who had a wife whom he committed adultery with, this guy didn't know about, sent him to battle, and then had his men retreat and leave him alone on the battlefield to die. And that is just a, that's a shame, it really is. And I don't want it to sound like I'm just taking these great people of the Bible and just trashing them. I promise I have a point to this. So after David we have Solomon and there's a scene we all know from Solomon with the child the two mothers that claimed the child was theirs and Solomon had the you know being the wisest man that ever lived was he knew that he if he asked his, his guard to divide the child in twain as it says and twixt the real and then the real mother said no just let him stay with her and he knew that that was the real mother because she had compassion He was the wisest man to have ever lived, the son of David, builder of the first temple, as we know and read about in 1 Kings chapter 6. He was the writer of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and more. He was just this fountain of wisdom and knowledge. And that is very, very true. However, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And he fell into idolatry because he followed after his many wives. And Israel as a whole was affected from that point on, because of it, to this day it is affected because of what Solomon did with his uh, following after his wives. He had uh, in First Kings eleven chapter uh, chapter eleven verse four. He uh, it's it talks about how he had his wives and these wives and every he had warnings it's not like he did this in ignorance he knew what was going to happen he was warned about this and he did it anyway and he fell from his honestly from his amazing position into just he was just another idol worshiper by the end of it and again israel was fell apart because of it was divided into in the 10 northern tribes and the two southern tribes it, all because of idol worship really the next one on my list I wanted to add a woman in here because there's a lot of great women in the bible but this one I felt like was in the world's eyes upper crust this is the one that everyone looks to and millions of people pray to this woman in error mind you The mother of G.O.D. is what she's called and is considered by millions to be the most meritorious saint of the religion interceding on our behalf. Now, if you've read anything in scripture, you know that that is not (laughs) that that is a they've taken some liberties with Mary. Her marriage with with Joseph was on rocky ground because of the birth of Messiah. Joseph was ready to divorce her quietly, put her away quietly, because he didn't want to shame her. He he loved her. He didn't want to shame her, and he knew that the you know the penalty for adultery was being stoned to death, and he wasn't ready to uh, to do that to her. So her marriage was with Joseph was on the rocky ground, and they even lost the Messiah for a couple days when they were on their way back from Jerusalem, and they noticed that they were like, oh. Where's Yeshua? <laughs> Just like any parent, you know, you lose your kid and you panic, you know. But they lost him and they, had, they journeyed back. And, you know, obviously Messiah had a, a reason for being gone. But in Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 19, we can read about uh, the marriage. Well, not the marriage, but the relationship between um, Joseph. Matthew chapter 1. verse 19, and then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of Yahweh appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Miriam thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know. We're not really told a whole lot about Mary and Joseph in reality. I mean, there's some information in Scripture. But these people, earlier when I said these people lift these people up onto a pedestal, the world lifts these people up onto a pedestal, in my opinion, there is no better example than Mary. There's no better example than Mary. If you at all ever just browse in the radio station and you stop on 88.1, the Catholic radio station... If there's a topic going on nine times out of ten, it's something to do with Mary. Praying to Mary, worshiping Mary, statues of Mary, crying tears of blood, all this, all this stuff. It's, this is idolatry in my opinion. This is a, a prime example of idolatry. And you know, Mary was just, she was just a woman. She wasn't this, this. She was just a woman, mother of Messiah. She lost the Messiah. She was a parent a struggling parent just like everyone in this audience that has kids knows about. Last on my list is Paul. I was trying to debate where to end this and I thought Paul was a pretty good place to end this because they've taken Paul he's the he's the apostle to the gentiles, leader of the New Testament faith and a bridger of the gap. You know, he was the he was the one that took the old and took the new and crammed them together and that's, that's Paul. Paul did a lot for the faith. He did a lot for the, um, he did a lot on both sides of the, playing both sides of the field to be honest with you. He did a lot against believers and he did a lot for believers. Now when you hear about Paul and if you listen to anybody outside of or anybody that's a mainstream Christian, Paul's pretty much all they talk about. They either quote the Messiah or they quote Paul. And to many, they're almost on equal footing. Their words carry almost very equal weight. Paul, like I said, played a vital role, but he did not have a perfect beginning. I mean, in Acts 9, for example, just to kind of put it in perspective, what this man, where he came from, People act like he busted out on the scene and he was just preaching the good news, doing away with laws and sacrificial systems and he just invented a whole new faith, you know. And Saul, and at the time his name was Saul, by the way, Saul of Tarsus, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the master, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any in his way, that they were men or women, that he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. This guy was out for blood. He wasn't just, you know, oh, hey, I disagree with that. Let's sit down and debate. No, he was ready to tie them up and bring them to Jerusalem and slaughter these men, women, and children. Now, that's something you won't hear about when people are talking about Paul. Paul. I don't want it to sound like I'm trashing these great people. I only want to show that it's important to remember these people who they, for who they were. And you have to take the good with the bad. You have to. It's easy to criticize people who are struggling. Like Joel said, it's easy to criticize people who are struggling with doubt, unbelief, lust, anger, etc., etc., et whoever or whatever they may be struggling with. But Yahweh has given us these examples in his word of people much like you or I are people we might know who are deeply and totally flawed human beings who just like you and I need to be guided by the Father back to the straight and narrow way. These women and children, or women and children, women and and men are indeed great, but they are truly great because they persevered through their faults. They didn't let their faults hold them back from achieving greatness working for Yahweh. And Yahweh probably didn't ease up on them, either you know they still fought on with a love for the father and we all want to be told well done good and faithful servant even though we all fall short and miss the mark as it says in romans chapter 3 verse 23 there's one scripture that i want to end honestly the psalm we read this morning it couldn't have been more perfect it was it fit in with what i was trying to say here pretty well there's a scripture i want to read in its entirety it's psalm 51 Psalm 51, I feel, is, and it's written, you know, it's written by David. And I feel like it is a, it's a perfect way to look at his turnaround. Psalm of David for the musical director. Have mercy upon me. Actually, I've got it up on the screen here. Have mercy upon me, O Elohim, according to thy loving kindness according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that that thou mightest be justified when thou speak and be clear when you judgest. Behold, let's see, where am I at on here? I need to read off the slide so I know when to turn it. Behold, I was sharpen, shapen with in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will, shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones that which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O Yahweh, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O Elohim, O Elohim of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Yahweh, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of Elohim are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. O Elohim, wilt thou not despise? Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion and build the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and the whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bullocks upon thine altar. I feel like that is a it's a perfect ending to a imperfect story for David, and many of the others on this list. You know, Paul knew about this psalm. You know, the disciples knew about this psalm. Joshua quoted the psalms several times, psalms and proverbs and everything else. Redemption has always been a uh, the goal for us in this faith. And honestly, for all of mankind, Ecclesiastes says it is the duty of mankind to obey Yahweh and keep His commandments. And so the next time your brother, or your sister, are struggling, or somebody you're working with may be struggling, look upon them with love and patience. As, as uh, Brother Joel mentioned in his message. Because even the greatest men and women struggled with these exact same things. It's easy to look at our issues as petty, as, you know, oh, we're not worthy. But we are. Yahshua has made, made it clear that we are. He died so that we can be worthy. And our petty issues are not petty issues. There were people in the scripture that we look up to. As heroes of our faith. That committed heinous, terrible things against Yahweh. And they were found worthy. So just have patience with those people that are struggling. And remember, this. read that psalm. Maybe have them read it if they're struggling with something. And with that, may Yahweh bless.